In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A handful of you were here in the earliest days of our church plant, before it even received a charter, and it was really more of an idea. It was really more of an informal gathering, getting together in the living room of our planting pastor. It was only about five years or so ago, so I know that for if you were there, you can distinctly remember all the planning that was involved. Dreaming together about the vision for the church, where you could possibly host meetings and services, the type of initiatives that you could be involved in in the community, the ethos and the culture of the congregation. You talked and you prayed about all that stuff at great length. And for what? No, seriously, for what? So that we would reach out from this congregation with the word of the gospel and that many would hear and believe the good news. That's why you did all that praying. That's why you did all that whiteboard vision casting stuff. That's what you wanted. Now that was and still is the goal. That was and still is the mission. It's to share refuge in God's strength and comfort. And the only way that we share refuge in God's strength and comfort is by sharing the word of Christ, which gives that strength and comfort in the gospel. So there you were in the early stages of a church plant, and you were full of hope and zeal about all the people that we could possibly reach. And I know something of what that's like. I've been a part of that. I've been a part of a church plant whenever everything is sunshine and roses and there's no limits to what God is going to do through this new congregation. I get it. But let's be honest. If you've been around since the beginning, it's safe to admit that this business of reaching people with the word of Christ is a lot more difficult than you imagined it would be at the time. Yeah? It's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult to speak about your Christian faith in many circumstances. You often find that you have a tough time working up the nerve to even talk about your faith with non-believers. And whenever you finally manage to work up the nerve to speak about Christ, you find that it's often met with just a shoulder shrug. Or worse, On top of that, we're met with another problem. Another problem that threatens to snuff out our zeal. The people we love, the people that we disciple in the Christian church sometimes do not endure in their Christianity, but they fall away, whether by their own profession or whether just by their lifestyle, if they don't care to admit it at this point. They fall away. We're left wondering how this could happen. How is it that I can bring my child to the waters of baptism, I can have him in church every Sunday, I can have him catechized, trained, and formed in the scriptures properly, how is it that that child can one day grow up and say, to heck with all of it? I'm going my own way. How is it that you can walk with 
another faithful Christian for years only to see them fall away, only to see them deny Christ either with their words or with their lives. It's terribly hard to reach people. It's terribly hard to bring them into the church. And it's probably as equally hard to keep them. Does the Bible have anything to say about this? Let us turn to our Lord's words in the parable of the sower. Let us consider them deeply. Let us, as we prayed in our collect, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. You see, this parable is not just some random teaching that Jesus spewed out into a vacuum. It's actually an answer to something. It's an answer to the problems that the disciples were seeing. The the very same ones that we deal with today. Jesus had called them all the way back in Matthew chapter 4, and they responded with great zeal. Surely, they were fired up to go and reach the lost with the word of the gospel, right? Fired up in the same way that if you were here at the beginning of the church plan, that you were fired up. And immediately after he called them, they were with him as he ministered to great crowds, as he cast out all these demons, as he performed all these various healings. So if you were a disciple at that point, you have to think that this could not get any better. This is awesome. If you're doing ministry with Jesus, it's all uphill. Look at what he's able to do. But by the time we get to Matthew, so that was Matthew 4, by the time we get to Matthew chapter 13, which is where we are today, the disciples are in the middle of Jesus' earthly ministry and they've seen some stuff, both from the crowds and from Jesus. Ever since chapter 11, opposition to Jesus and to his mission, his message had slowly begun to build. We've got the death of John the Baptist in chapter 11. We've got hostile engagement with the Galilean Pharisees, prompting Jesus to call this generation that he lived in evil and adulterous. We've got Jesus drawing a line in the sand between him and his family. And he says, the people who believe in me, these are my true family. And the people in his biological family, at that point, they were rejecting him. And he said, you're not my real family. This wasn't what the disciples had in mind. This is not what they signed up for. This isn't the vision that they were sold, perhaps. And it is to this reality of this great opposition to Jesus' word and ministry that he gives this parable. A sower went out to sow seeds. Some fell along the path, making it easy for the birds to eat them all up. Jesus decodes all this stuff for us. I love it when he does that. I don't like it whenever he doesn't tell us what the parable means. I like it when he does, right? You're probably on the same page with me. But he decodes it. He says that this is whenever the hearer of God's word doesn't understand, and then the devil comes and snatches it away. Some of the seeds fell on stony ground where they sprouted, but then the sun burnt them all up as they couldn't gain deep roots. In this case, the hearer received God's word with joy, 
but was not rooted enough in God's word so that when hardship came with the Christian life, they bailed. Some fell among thorns, which choked out the plant as it grew. This is whenever the hearer receives the word, but the cares and the riches of this world choke out the word, or choke out faith, I should say. But some fell on good soil and began to grow. And in due season, it produced a harvest 30, 60, or 100 fold. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. This is why we pray in our collect, let us read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this word. So Jesus' ministry, the ministry that he called his disciples into and to do alongside him was laborious. It was hard work. It was hard work so much that you often see Jesus withdraw from the crowds completely just to pray and to rest. And we're talking about the Son of God here, the Son of God who can do stuff that you and I can't do. But even he got tired from this work. Jesus told four of them, whenever he called them, four of his disciples, that they would be fishers of men. He told them this while they were still holding their nets. In other words, he wasn't calling them to something easier. He said, that labor that you're doing, it's going to be like that. Commercial fishing in those days, it was hard work. Commercial fishing right now is hard work. Can I get a witness? You ever watch those shows and stuff? You know, I went on a deep sea fishing one time and it was the worst day of my life. I'll tell you about that some other time. But. So the catch that Jesus gave them on that day, that was a miraculous one. It's a, it's a miracle for the sake of getting their attention to say, hey, I'm the son of God. I've come and I'm calling you to discipleship. But that, that catch, that wasn't going to be the norm. Jesus was teaching them in this parable a sobering truth. The reign of God, the reign of God, his rule over all things, as it comes to us through the word of the gospel, is often met with resistance. The reign of God is often met with resistance, even among those who've received it. The disciples were seeing the growing hostility. They saw men such as the Pharisees reject Jesus' word outright. They saw people follow Jesus for a time only to fall away. John 6 talks about how the the crowds, whenever they heard Jesus' difficult teaching, they turned away from him. They would go on later to see one of their own brothers, Judas, fall away. What was going on? Why wasn't it working out the way that they had surely hoped? We're faced with the same problems today. We see constant rejection of God's word. And it usually comes in the form of not not outright hostility, but in more of a despising of God's word. So it's very seldom that you have somebody just kind of take up arms and try to fight you about God's word. It's usually met with a despising. We're taught under the third commandment in our catechism that we should fear and love God 
so that we do not despise preaching or his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. What is that despising? The despising there is not talking about hatred uh, as we think about it, like opposition. The despising is just to consider it unimportant. It just means plain old indifference. Eh. To consider something so unimportant as to not garner your attention. That's despising. That's where most of our culture is today. You talk to somebody about Jesus, and if they're not hostile, they just don't care. They don't care. Moreover, we've got the problem of people in our own church following, falling away from within our own ranks. And even we, as a young, zealous church plant, face both of those realities. If it's not going quite the way you thought it would, look to Jesus' words today and take heart. Jesus said this is how it would go. And so it goes. I don't think that we're supposed to look at this parable and draw a one-to-one correlation. You know, I, I don't think that we're supposed to go, well, that means that 75% of the world is going to be non-believing, non-Christian, and 25% is going to be Christian. That's not what he's teaching here. He's teaching that most people will reject his word. Most. Most will reject his word, but then there's that wonderful good news there at the end that we'll miss if we're not careful. Some will bear fruit. Some will hear. Some will receive the word. Some will endure. Some will be saved. So I think that there's two errors that we commit whenever we respond to this type of thing. So we've got this problem of people rejecting God's word. And we respond to that with two different errors. I'm going to show you how Jesus' parable addresses both. The The first error that we commit is that we despair. We look out at the world that rejects Christ and it weighs us down. We look at those in our midst who have fallen away and it makes us want to give up. The problem in this case is that we are focusing too much on the soil. We want to give up. We want to withhold the seed because we think, well, it's just going to get eaten up anyways. Or it's just going to get scorched by the sun. Or it's just going to get choked out by the thorns. Why should we even try? All this soil is terrible. So it isn't worth wasting this precious seed. We're focusing too much on the soil. The second error that we make The second error we make is in godless innovation where we try to reach our neighbors with the gospel and we end up giving them something other than the gospel. Or we avoid preaching the full counsel of God's word because we're worried about who it might offend. What are we focusing on in this case? So in the first case, we're focusing too much on the soil. In this case, we're looking at the seed and we're saying, oh, the seed is not up to the task. 
We got to actually use different seed if we want to reach this hard soil. And so whenever we cast out the seed that is not what God says in His Word, or that is not the gospel at all, it ends up producing a plant that is not what Jesus intended. Somehow we think that we need something that takes much more easily to the soil. But God does not permit us to substitute the seed of His Word for something else. He said in our Old Testament reading today, he said, my word shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed for the thing which I send it. So the answer, brothers and sisters, is not to despair about the state of the soil, nor is it to complain about the quality of the seed we've been given and try to substitute it for something else. So what do we do? This is not called the parable of the soils. This is not called the parable of the seed. It's called the parable of the sower for a reason. We are called to trust the sower. We're called to trust the sower who is Jesus Christ, who did not look out at the soil of this world and withhold the seed, but who instead cast it out liberally and extravagantly so that by God's grace, it would bear fruit in some. Jesus Christ, who took God's word in its purity and preached it unapologetically, trusting that it would accomplish that for which God sent it to do. We trust the sower, who is the Word of God incarnate, the one who stepped into human history to bleed and die for our sins and to rise again so that we who were once dry, dusty, desolate fields of death where nothing could grow have been made into rich soil full of life through the Holy Spirit who continues to nourish us in the Word so that we will continue to bear fruit. Did you notice how inefficient the sower is? He's inefficient. He does not look at where he casts the seed, but he simply casts and casts and casts. Whenever we as fruit bearers take up the seed of God's word, as Jesus now sows his word into this world through his church, we're simply called to throw it out there. Throw it out there. Preach Jesus. Speak about Jesus. Tell your neighbors about Jesus. No matter what their response or their reaction is. Not only are you called to throw it out there, but you're called to do it abundantly. That's the thing about the seed. It's free. There's not a seed shortage. The answer here is not to withhold the seed. The answer is not to be strategic about where you throw the seed. The answer is to throw more of it and keep throwing it. Jesus is unconcerned about us ever using too much of God's word. He's just concerned that we keep using it. We keep learning it. We keep hearing it. We keep speaking it. We keep bringing it to bear in our vocations in the world wherever he has us. Yes, we'll face opposition. 
We talked about that with discipleship and all that. We'll face opposition, but some will believe. Some will bear fruit that endures. And God be praised for that. At the end of the service today, we're going to be sending out the Fry family. Rory begins his seminary training in September to eventually enter into the pastoral ministry. And him and Christina and their kids are going to be moving up to the Waco area to serve at Gathering Lutheran, the church that we helped plant, which they're still getting their feet under them. They don't have a charter yet, but they're going, they're going strong. Now, in my selfishness, in my despair, I'd like to keep them here. Because God knows that we need more committed people. We need more fellow fruit bearers for the kingdom. But that's not up to you or me, is it? It's up to the sower. And so we rejoice that they have responded to take this task that's before them to, to go and to cast out more seed of God's word and to do it extravagantly. And we at Fortress get to be a part of that. So for those of you who have been here since the beginning, for those of you who were dreaming about people that we could reach, it's happening. Just doesn't always happen in the way that you expect. God be praised for that. May God continue to cast the seed of his word through this congregation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.